welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability and human behaviour. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. So I'm Dr. Tara Quinchirillo um, and today I have all the way over in Sydney, Australia, two fantastic guests. I'm going to let them each introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about what's brought them on today. Hi, I'm going to say good morning for me, but it's actually good evening for you guys, isn't it? That's it, we're in the future. <laughs> you are, I've got to get my head around that. Who would like to go first? So we have Sarah and Alice. Who would like to start? Okay, my name's Alice. I am 29, so verging on a very important um, birthday. Uh, I am a psychology student and I have a job at an educational institution and I am also living with bipolar and I've been through two psychotic episodes. And I'm Sarah, I'm Alice's mum, I'm a registered nurse, and uh, Alice and our oldest son, Jesse, and I have written a book called Dear Psychosis, and it's our family's journey with mental health, uh, finding Alice overseas and bringing her home and going through treatment and what that was all like. yeah, so that's that's a little bit about us. And I'm so honoured to have you on. So is it right to say we've kind of got introduced to each other through another author who came on with another incredible story. So we have to give a little shout out, don't we, to say thank you, Mark, for introducing us um, because he's also over in Australia as well and you've met a few times, haven't you? Um, it's just lovely to be put in touch with people who've been through these incredible journeys and not only that, that are feeling able to share it because I think actually from today's episode, this is going to really help people. There's so much I want to get in. So let's get stuck in. So are you comfortable, Alice, telling us a little bit about your journey? What happened to you? The kind of beginnings of the story that's in this book? Sure. Uh, Where to begin? It was a pretty long journey, I think, with mental health. And I sort of thought something was up when I was younger. But I'd been to a few psychologists. I went to two um, before I went overseas when I was 21. I just finished my Bachelor of Communication and I went to Europe with my brother, his now wife, and their friend Michael, or Mika, we called him. And um, it just sort of ended up me alone in Istanbul with a bunch of friends and I just lost touch with reality. And do you remember much else about that time or does mum want to tell us a little bit about what happened from her side of you during that time? I remember a fair bit. I'm pretty lucky because I was safe during that time. But uh, mum would have got the shock of a lifetime when she received a strange message. Yeah, so Alice had gone overseas with our son and, and his now wife and they had left to come home 
and Mika nice. had gone on to Greece. So Alice had decided that she was going to go to Turkey and have some space by herself and just enjoy life. Yeah. So at that time, I, I was a little nervous, uh, Alice being by herself, yeah. but she's 21. She's having a great time. And we decided that she'd be checking in via social media. Yes. So in the lead up to Alice having psychosis, she'd sent some strange messages and I'd received these strange messages. One one was one where we talked on Snapchat about some crystals. And during this, I ran around the house finding a crystal that she wanted to to see for some reason. And I, I ran around and I found about five crystals and each one she'd go, no, no, that's not it. And it was a weird conversation and when it finished, I shook my head and went, what was that all about? And lifted the carpet up and swept it under. And then about a week later, I received, I was at work, I'm a theatre nurse, so I was in the sterile stock room at work and I received a message from Alice, which was a couple of pictures, and I opened the pictures up and I immediately lost my breath. And the pictures were of Alice with a roadmap of uh, thick black marking pen all over her face. Right. And I immediately was, oh, my God, what's happening? And one of my work colleagues happened to walk in and she said, what's the matter? And I started crying and she said, it can't, nothing can be this bad, Sarah. And I showed her the picture and it took her breath away and she had nothing to say. Her eyes became like saucers and we I texted Alice immediately and there was nothing. There was no no reply right. back. It was, um, I think, a further 24 hours before I got a message back with another photo going, ta-da, clean face. And then we, we rang and she said she was okay. So, again, I picked up that carpet and swept yeah. my concern yeah. under it and Alice continued on for the next day or two and we continued on until I was ironically at a conference, a nursing conference called Wellness for Life when I received a message from a stranger saying uh, that he thought that Alice was having some sort of mental health episode. Right. Now, this is when we, do we believe this guy? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah, the crystals, the photo, but is it a scam? Uh, It's all these things that are going up uh, through my mind. And, of course, the most important thing is, is Alice well? Yeah. So we need to contact her. So that's, that's how it all started for me. Uh, in, in, and in a lot thousands of, of miles away as well. You know, this isn't something that you can just pop. kilometres yes. away. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say that about scale because I'm really interested in the kind of brushing it under the carpet thing because, you know, there are so many other things that might go through our minds as parents as to what it might be. You know, children do drink, dabble around recreational drugs, do pranks, you know, the Snapchat pranks, TikTok pranks. The, there's just so much because um, I'm just wondering, you know, how – how do you navigate that as a as a parent? You know, how do you know? Or how you know is this a scam? Is it not? What did you do next? So we had to we we had had a choice. Um, my husband happened to be playing golf 
that day. So it was me and my oldest son who was in Melbourne at the time doing his final year of medicine. And we both spoke to this fellow who'd contacted us, whose name was Hussein, and we believed him. Yeah. We had to, even though there was doubt, we decided we had to believe him. So within yeah. 24 yeah. hours, he and I were on a plane to Istanbul to see Alice, to actually see and touch her and see if she was okay. Yeah. My wish yeah. was that when we arrived that, um, you know, she would say, oh, hi, Mum, I'm glad that you're here. I'm sorry that you've come all this way. I haven't been feeling great. But that yeah. wasn't the case when we arrived in Istanbul. Alice could barely talk. She, she whispered and mumbled. Um, and the girl that we had spoken to 24 hours before on the phone was a completely different person that we arrived to. She was in the throes of psychosis. Yeah. And just what that's like as parents mm, mm. in terms of managing. I'm sure it was a relief to get there and see her. Do you remember much about this, Alice? Yeah, I remember being very stressed about their arrival. So I was hallucinating, like hearing voices and seeing things that weren't there and had all sorts of delusions going on in my head about what they had to go through in order to be able to get on that plane and arrive here yeah. safely. Um, so like, I believe that um, mum had to have done things in her past life that weren't exactly what mum would have liked to have done and things yeah. like that. And that was really scary. And when she arrived, she didn't have her wedding ring on or any of her jewellery on. And that was terrifying because it sort of confirmed my delusions that she'd actually lost things because of me being sick. So, yeah, I, I so remember feeling very afraid. So for people that are listening, I'm just wondering if people might not be familiar with kind of what psychosis is and how it presents delusions are that the thoughts. Um, so sometimes you can experience tricky thoughts, but as well as visual or auditory hallucinations as well. Um, and not everyone has both of those, do they? So that's what's really important about spotting it. That's for some people, they don't have the visual or the auditory hallucinations. I can't say it. They might just have changes in their thinking which can be harder to spot as well because sometimes you can behaviorally see somebody responding to mm. voices and auditory hallucinations can't you? I mean when you were when you first got there were you aware what it was that you were facing because obviously you have a nursing background what you know how did you know what you were facing and what to do next? well the, the, our first visual of Alice was at the airport surrounded by these beautiful Syrian refugees who were displaced in Turkey from the war right. that had saved Alice's life. That's so when they huddled Alice towards us at the airport and they released her to us, so to speak, Alice had her hair was wrapped in a scarf with tufts of hair coming out. Her dress was on inside out and back the front and on top of that dress was a skirt. So immediately we had a visual that things weren't okay, but it really wasn't until Alice spoke that we knew that we would have to come home to yeah. uh, healthcare treatment and to get her home as fast as possible. Yeah. 
So, and, and that meant going back through Ataturk Airport, one of the busiest uh, airports in the world, uh, without causing an international incident with someone in the throes of psychosis. Well, I was just going to ask that. That's the tricky question is, you know, did you feel well enough to be on a plane as a parent? How did you navigate that? You know, we had to, uh, and this is a this is a great question because Alice was able to listen to us. She had thousands of voices in her head that were talking to her. Yeah, and Jessie had given her um, some headphones, and it ended up to be the best thing that had ever happened. And it was that he said, if you don't like the music that's on, press the button on the the string, the cord of the headphone, and it will go to the next song. So Alice would you you take over, Alice? He this said is, yeah. one tap one tap is pause and and two taps yes. on the yep. ear, ear pod, the, the side of your ear is uh, skip. And so I took that as like pause your thoughts literally and skip your thoughts. Yes. Yes. So I start, I sort of forced myself into believing this and it sort of helped, like not for very long all the time, but it just sort of relieved some of the pressure if I didn't like what was yes. happening. Yeah. So she she would listen to us to some extent and I think that's the only reason we were able to get her through yeah. security, yeah. Um, through baggage check, through claim check, through everything. And on the plane, if Alice got up to walk around the plane, we'd walk with her. She went yeah. to the toilet, we'd walk with her. Uh, eating food, um, I would have to take the foil off the aeroplane food. I'd give her the knife and fork, put the salt and pepper on, butter her bread because her mind was not up to anything. It, Her mind couldn't focus on anything. Yeah. She was so busy keeping herself above water with all yeah. these voices telling yeah. her so much to do. So a credit to Alice, and we, we don't know how yeah. we got home. Like, we really don't. We it's feel, remarkable. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. 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 So we, we were blessed. And I, I do think it's a lot with the tap, tap, tapping of the next nexting, yeah. Alice would call it nexting. Yeah. Uh, and Alice, I like that. Yeah. And yeah. Alice's belief in us... Uh, I think had a lot to do with it but yeah. of course this is me saying this at the time I'm sure she had no idea what she was doing and she was just following us and we yeah. were pushing her in a direction I don't think she cared or knew that she was going in only that she was probably with safe people I, I, I don't yeah. know. On one occasion I think my delusion actually was team martin family i think it was like i believed on the in the taxi on the way to the airport that if i sat up that they would be watching like they i don't know the ominous they yeah. like the syrian yeah. government the i don't know the turks the french all of yeah. them would be watching and so i just lay down but you know, if you look at that again, you could see that if I sat up and looked out the window, that would be a thousand times more stimulating for a psychotic brain. So lying Absolutely. down was like a way to calm myself. I was lying down the hallway in the taxi to the <laughs> airport. 
yeah with these incredible people because i'm you know thinking just being able to get hold of you you know with modern phones now it's quite hard to get into them passcodes face id just the fact that they managed to get hold. but that what does that sound going to bring in the whole you know the compassion strangers people can never cease to amaze us with their compassion their kindness but because it's one thing if you see someone in an immediate situation and you're providing help but to stay with her to support her in that way that is that's almost another whole story in itself isn't it Uh, it what is it about yeah yeah about the kindness of those people that stayed with you kept you safe got you to that airport it was a really powerful metaphor of them literally standing around you that that got me them yeah I was really lucky that I met a group of people that deeply cared and they got to know me like uh, briefly before I was really unwell but uh you know they really cared about me and yeah there was lots of uh, compassion for me and I I don't really know how they managed to handle me for as long as they did before contacting my family before they arrived like yeah I was trying to do walkabouts in the middle of the night and yeah not helping around the house just being a, a big big bum I guess they they would um one of them would sleep put her mattress against the front the front door and she would sleep against the front door to keep Alice inside because at night Alice would just want to go and walk and they decided that that wasn't a very safe option for Alice to do so they were amazing when they when we arrived at the airport they were exhausted they were truly exhausted and we'll never know why they didn't just push Alice out onto the street and wipe their hands of her other than that they are the most amazing people that that we have met and we've had the pleasure to meet yes so and Hussein is one of the kindest people um that we will meet he he is the one that contacted us and he and Alice were having a lovely, lovely love affair, and um, we we still have contact with him today and feel really blessed. I was going to ask that. I was just wondering whether you have contact with any of them and kind of yeah. what that means for you as well. Well, for me, it, it I, I I tell him that he's part of our family, yeah, and that he will always be welcome. And there will always be a bed here in Australia if he ever makes it over. And I I think that I don't think he realises how important he is to us. Yeah. I think think he thinks that he just did what everybody else would do. I I truly don't think he thought that he was doing anything extraordinary. That's wonderful in itself, isn't it? That people have that hope in humanity and that expectation. You know, I think there's something quite nice in that in a way. I think so. And I think with mental health, it can be so scary to be confronted yes. by mental ill health so that for him to acknowledge it and to yeah. not not be scared by it and to do something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I guess there's so many things I want to get in. Obviously, you know, talking from a parent's perspective, um, because I know you've all written this book. Um, but also for people listening to this podcast, I quite like to have things that people can take away and think about right now. And then there's obviously the longer term things that they can do to create a shift that, you know, you want to bring in things like stigma. Sometimes there can be shame attached to having a mental health issue. Um, and 
what it's like if you're someone who might be supporting or even coming across someone because sometimes we don't know what to do and I think we need a bit of compassion with that you know for many people who don't have an experience of mental health or supporting someone you might not know what to do but what can someone do to kind of lean in to those tricky feelings you know and not just avoid you know I'm just thinking some of the work that you do now some of the people that you must have met since this time what are the small things that people can do what mm. what helped you Alice or has continued to to help you um I guess just I don't know I feel like it's not really something that I need to be checked in on but sometimes I mean like for the medication thing for example mum will sometimes say have you taken your medication have you taken your medication like I don't mind that but other people might mind that so it's just sort of checking what the individual person like oh do you mind if I check in on you about this or I, I think I think there are a couple of things that are with that and the first thing was what you can do and as a parent of a child or a friend of someone with mental health concerns listen listening is the best thing telling Alice that she's not feeling what she's feeling is not is not good so I think listening to Alice and acknowledging what she said so not judging what she's saying and sometimes that can be really hard yeah you want to say oh why don't you do it this way and I probably do sometimes because it's turning off that natural parent you know you've parented for a while (laughs) it can be a bit of a default setting can't it you know listening listening to someone and also knowing a trigger so if lack of sleep is a trigger if bad relationships are a trigger if taking meds or forgetting to take meds or taking them at the wrong time and I soon learned that Alice was really good at taking her meds. At no time did she ever not take her meds. Uh, the one thing that I that I do now ask her is, how'd you sleep? So she's now got one of those watches, smart watches, <laughs> that tells her. So she'll just go, oh, I had this amount of sleep last night, Mum. So she preempts the question oftentimes. Uh, or if she says, I'm really tired, I go, oh, well, you better get some sleep tonight, Alice. So it's, I think we have a really good and honest mm-hmm. relationship and that that yeah. has helped. It doesn't need to tell me everything and I don't need to know everything, but we're very good with checking in on each other. Like she asked me how yes. I'm going and I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> well, I was yeah. just wondering yeah. that as well. Yeah, you know, the two-way yeah. that what's it like for you as a parent and do you like yeah. to check in on mum Alice as well? Yeah, yeah. Mum has been complaining about her shocking sleep, so I've made her. Well, yeah. with, I've encouraged her to get her own watch <laughs> now. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Like kind of to help you. I've taken mine off, but yeah, I live. I live by mine, but I always take it off when I'm podcasting because it bashes on the desk, <laughs> makes a noise. Um, a couple of things that struck me there then is that kind of balance then between autonomy, because if you're someone with a lived condition, whether it's emotional health or physical health, sometimes people can mean well, but it can become a bit like, I guess, kind of helicopter support, you know, there all the time, because obviously there might be fear, there might be anxiety, you want to, you want the best for somebody. And if you've been through quite a traumatic experience, as you guys have, mm-hmm. then maybe that fear 
what if something like this happens again? So getting that balance then, Alice, between your autonomy, so what you want, so, you know, and what you don't want, because I think that's obviously equally important as well. You know, how can you get that balance of being supported in a way you need? But also, do you ever feel you can say, oh, no, thanks, um, or I'm okay with that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what time, like how I'm feeling, because I'm obviously, well, not obviously, in case you don't know, I'm quite stable, I'm pretty yes, regulated yeah. at the moment, but I do occasionally have the fear, oh, am I hypomanic? Am I yes. doing yeah. things yeah. too yeah. fast? Am I not sleeping as much? Am I spending too much money? Am I doing risky things? Yes. Um, yeah. Sometimes I have that question. So if I'm doubting myself, I don't mind a bit of extra assistance. Yes. Yeah. Alice has got a balance. Alice has got a wonderful psychiatrist that she sees that has been with her for oh, what eight years now. Okay. Nearly eight years. Yeah. yeah. So a nice established. Sometimes oh, that fits really important as well, isn't it? As a clinician, or someone you're working with. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. We feel really blessed that we we and I, I often say we I feel really blessed that we it's the royal we that it's not it's it's all Alice <laughs> and, and she's the one that's that makes the the strives and the cha the challenges and 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 fights the good fight and you know and head on yes um, absolutely which is which is good. Which is good. So for people listening who may be new to understanding about mental health conditions, maybe new to bipolar and the term psychosis, um, what's really important is, is, you know, being empowered to kind of understand your condition and understanding, as you said, Sarah, you know, kind of triggers, maintaining factors, or sometimes we may look at like, you know, protective factors or destabilizers. So things like if sleep's affected, life stresses, it could be people and things that sometimes may destabilize us. Mm -hmm. um, and over here in the UK, sometimes we support people to have something called a relapse plan. So a relapse prevention plan. You may be familiar with that, Alison, in, in your psychology work as well, which for some people can be helpful to have as well. Um, but the thing that really struck me that I'd read as well is that one of you'd said something about I think it was your brother Alice who'd had much better kind of education around emotional health issues and one of the things you'd said is you'd wished you'd had more kind of psychoeducation around emotional health when you were younger is that something you're comfortable talking about yeah absolutely I think that I was very jealous hearing about Harry's experiences right oh, this uh, school captain come in or ex-school captain come in and talk to us about his journey um, and I thought uh, okay we never had any empowering women yes, come and yeah. talk about mental health or yeah. challenges yeah. or you know real things so I was very jealous about it. I think lived experience like you spoke about Absolutely. earlier Tara is so important yeah. people don't want to yeah. hear from me you know like Oh, I was sad yesterday, but I I they want to hear from somebody who's lived it and dealt with it yes. and how they've come through it. I think that's so important Absolutely. that not all mental health leads to disaster. Not all mental health means that you don't have a life. My when we were first bringing Alice home, I thought will she ever live out of home? Will she ever have a job again? Will Alice ever be able to um, do anything again? 
Will she be able to read and write? Can she yeah. can she think? She couldn't colour in those adult colouring in books. Her her concentration was zero. I think it's so important out there for people to know that there is hope and that there yeah. is strength out there. Yeah. And and so much empathy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's, there's so many I could go off on so many tangents. It's that yes. kind of preventative education, helping people know how to maintain good mental health in some cases. But for people who have acute onset episodes like yourself, there's no history of anything. Mm -hmm. But you know, helping people understand how mental health can be impacted and when it, you know, when we might have acute episodes versus there might be more gradual changes in mental health that people might observe it. And it's a really broad spectrum, isn't it? And that role of just psychoeducation. But hearing, I mean, again, we can read, you know, interesting stuff in textbooks, we can listen to clinicians talk, but you can't literally ever replace a human experience, somebody talking about what it's like. And also, I think, I don't know if you did yourself justice there, Mum, that it, actually what it's like as a, a parent as well, for those people in that immediate supporting circle as well, I think actually there's a lot of rich information there um, as well, which is why I think your book is, is going to be so impactful for so many people. And hopefully after today, people listening, um, we'll go and pick up a copy and start. And I'm thinking, what are you hoping, you know, if someone's to read the book, what are you hoping that will happen? How can we create a kind of a shift in how we understand mental health and stigma? I think it's so important to break the silence. Yeah. And so why why has our book Dear Psychosis done so well? I think because breaking the silence is important, mental health is important, yeah. talking about stigma is important, talking about yeah. psychosis, bipolar, schizophrenia, Depression, anxiety is important. Anorexia, Absolutely. all mental health is so important. Yeah. And you know what? There is no shame in any mental Absolutely. health. And Absolutely. there are so many people that are too scared to talk. And you know what? That's okay. That's when you're ready, point. you will talk. Or maybe by hearing our story, Alice's story, that that will become... Uh, the survival guide for them that they realise that the, this family, this girl has come through this yeah. and then perhaps it won't be our story that they're retelling and maybe it'll be their story that they retell. I like so, that. Mm, mm. And one of the things that you kind of mentioned was obviously as a, a parent you've been through a lot, Alice, you've been through an awful lot as well, is how did you navigate the kind of weeks and months once you got back? home because I'm sure people will be really interested in what did that journey look like in terms of the treatment the kind of support package that you had well we needed we needed strength to get yeah. through so we needed the right team we needed a good psychologist and a good psychiatrist uh, we needed hope so that if we went one step backwards we needed to move forward so it was always moving yeah. forward even if it was an inch yeah, uh, we needed awareness. So I talked about it, the triggers. We needed to know if stress, bad relationships, lack of sleep, uh, and we needed resilience. You, you know, you need to talk about it and you need to roll with the punches, so to speak. Yes. And we needed empathy to have with each other. So we needed yeah. to be able to yeah. listen to what Alice was saying and acknowledge what she was saying, even if we didn't agree with what she was saying, 
we acknowledged it. And yeah. I think that was so yeah. important. We never said to Alice, no, Alice, you're wrong. That never happened. No, we never said that. It was always yeah. we acknowledge it, and, but but it might not be um, what we what we agreed with, but we acknowledge yeah. Um, so you're I able also, to kind of validate on a level because I think that's yeah, quite important yeah. sometimes. Important isn't it? Yeah. Alice to be heard. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the other important yeah. thing was to grieve what we felt that we had lost. Uh, like we weren't sure whether we'd lost a daughter, yeah. whether yeah. we would ever find Alice again. And Alice was and is amazing. I wonder, I just wonder, Mum, how long yeah. did that feeling of, oh, I've lost her last for? Because oh, I felt like I moved yeah. so quickly. Yeah. We were, it was December and I was organising what I was going to do yeah. virtually with the so next that was, year. So that's life. about four months after Alice's psychosis. That okay, right. Now. Yeah. And yeah. back in when, September, October, November, December. Yeah, and I was in hospital in October. So November, December, December, I was planning to join an English as a second language teaching course. And I did that. And that was a whole saga in itself. I started off doing it full time and then realized very quickly I couldn't handle full time work. I was like auditory hallucinations during the class and it distressing so I thought I've got to try and get into the part-time course and I did so I stopped doing the full-time course and then commenced the part-time course which took 10 weeks and yeah then by July I was teaching getting paid to yeah. teach international students so I think at what point did you realize yeah. oh I, I haven't lost my daughter I reckon it was probably then when Alice we we were away and Somebody needed a translation, and Alice is fluent in Italian. I'm not right. Fluent. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's pretty much good. better than the average person. Yeah, much better than me. Um, and somebody asked if she could translate something, and Alice said, "Oh, I can." And it was then that it was like, yeah. "Oh my God, Alice feels needed and wanted." Somebody's asked her to do something and we'd forgotten that Alice needed this stuff. So yeah. and this was in yeah. in uh in that in that December and it was amazing. It was wow. the best thing and it was the kick that I needed. And I think you're right, I think it was probably at that time when Alice yeah. was, oh my God, Alice is Alice is good. She's getting there. They are baby steps and they are all positive. But yes. Just remember that people need to be needed and wanted. Ask them yeah. to do stuff. If you if you're wondering what you can ask, somebody. that's a really good point. Yeah, mm. Mm. that kind of something about purpose. Yeah, that's it. Purpose is a great word for it. Yeah. So what is interesting as well, if I can just come on to mum for a minute, is just bringing in that if you're supporting somebody through of a mental health crisis or a longer term condition um is that experience must have been quite traumatic you know having to jump on a plane not knowing how things were going to be you know the effects on physically doing that as well it's just did you feel you needed support yourself is that all right to ask i think i i was distraught um on the plane and fortunately our oldest son 
um, was doing his final year of medicine and he had a week off at that time. And I'm, okay. I, I'm seriously a really bad traveller. I get motion okay. sickness at anything, okay. like on a right. airlift, on a, on a lilo on the water. I, I get a headache. Oh. I get sick. I get really sick. So my husband That's and I tough. were like, oh, my God, Sarah's got to go over there. But, oh, my God, she might be vomiting everywhere. So when Jesse said he could take a week off because there was a week break, we went, we had to, to weigh up the cost because there's a substantial cost. Um, but it was the best thing we could have done. Yeah. Travelling with a psychotic yeah. girl uh, would have been, I, I don't know how we could have done it by myself. So it actually yeah. ended up to be one of the most amazing things. And so therefore, Jesse on the way over was able to keep me grounded. And we we have this That's saying really now, nice. we don't have shoulda, woulda, couldas in our house anymore. We have hindsight, foresight and insight so that we look back at what yes. we could have done. And even Alice, um, before she left um, her travels, we don't we don't have the shoulda wouldas. We we look back and see what we could have done better. And Alice included when she was better, when she could yes. um, through and talk things through. So this discussion was meant to be. So one of the things that I do a lot of in my clinical practice, we have a UK singer over here <laughs> called Beverly Knight, and she had this massive single. Um, many years ago called shoulda woulda coulda and ah. I use that as a isn't that interesting you say that so I use that as a metaphor so often with the people that I yeah. work with you know yeah. how sometimes those shoulda woulda couldas can just dominate um, yeah, and not it. kind of help us with kind of purposeful yeah. decision making and, and getting hooked with what we want to do versus and what I we think should do yeah well the shoulda woulda couldas can go around in um yeah. like a mouse like a, oh, a mountain yeah yeah tumbleweed like a hamster wheel yes yeah yeah so that you need to get off that so what yes. you need to do is is see what you can do better and there might not be much that you can do better maybe yes. maybe it's done you know you've done all you can but if there's one little thing and it's it's like listening to something like listening to your podcast Tara if somebody finds one thing then listening yes. to the podcast or listening to you is worth it. Like that's that's one thing. My motto. One yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always do. So I always say at the end, don't yeah. I? We'll come on to that. I have my little takeaway, but people get so many. And I just think sometimes it's just reaching that one person who may not themselves be in a, a situation where they need advice, but they might then talk to someone else as well. That kind of ripple effect of hang on, okay, maybe I will lean in, maybe I'll have this discussion. So kind of, you know, one of the things, obviously the UK healthcare system is very different to what you have in Australia. Is it all right to ask, Alice, you know, were there any kind of barriers to your support or on, any ongoing support needs that you might have? Because that's always an interesting thing to bring in as well. You know, you've had a really supportive family and obviously the healthcare system is different there, but anything that you've observed? Yeah, I think um, we have sort of like a different process for if you see a psychologist for talking therapy. Yes. So yeah. it's like tricky to get extra sessions above, I think above 20 sessions is a bit tricky to right. get. Right, yeah. For rebates and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know all the details because, alas, I have a psychiatrist. Mm. But for me, it's really hard at the start of the year because it sort of refreshes and you have to go over ah. the threshold 
you so know, it's very you expensive money back yeah, yeah so you need, to, you need to save up for the start of the year mm. um, if you if you you know have a few spare coins then after whatever it is uh, maybe 20 sessions you'll be above the threshold and then you'll start getting the full rebate of, okay. of the, the session which is yeah okay so an interesting thing um this isn't about rebates or anything but the interesting thing when we first got home to hospital and care I in in the book I actually probably up till I did about 10 edits I had a very big whinge about we had to tell and Alice had to tell her story seven times in four hours Gosh. to it was the GP yes. then the GP said go to the hospital so we went to the hospital so it was the nurse um, then a doctor, then a registrar, then the psych reg, then the 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 nursing medical uh, nursing mental health sister. Uh, then there was the psychiatrist, and then the psych registrar. There were seven people, and I had a whinge to one of um, my friends who did the very read the very last draft, and he said, "Sarah, here's the reason." The reason why you told that story seven times to those seven different people is not because they want to make it painful for you. It's because we have we have a game in Australia. I don't know whether you have it in England, but it's called telephone. You have ten people that stand in a line, and you whisper something to the next person, okay, and then yes, the person yeah. then whispers it to the next person. By that time, it gets to the end person. You might have said. Um, the man walked across the road with an umbrella, and by the time it gets to the end person, it's yeah. uh, the doc, the duck, the duck said quack, and it's completely different. And he, this guy, said to me, "Sarah, you're telling your story for the first time to that person, so every time that doctor or health prof healthcare professional gets it right." So here I was, yes. being a registered nurse myself, getting angry at the system. But five years, no, eight years later, I learned that actually it was the best thing we could have done by telling those healthcare professionals yeah. the story right from our mouth. Yeah. So please, if you are listening and you are getting frustrated by telling your story different times to other people, don't be. It's yeah. better that you tell the story than someone else. I Is think that's so? really it's well really put. Surely yeah. very tiring for someone who's in an acute state to be yeah, rehashing what they're going through. It's also a bit confusing. Also, life goes so quickly or time is weird when you are experiencing psychosis. Yeah. You might be staring at something yes. for eight hours and it might actually be like way longer or way shorter, but just yeah. feels like an eternity. So you experience things so differently, but um I don't know, is it better to sort of codify someone's experience, say, okay, this is Alice, she's mm. presenting with, like, psychotic symptoms, um, she has a past history of... And then you know, that that written word then gets yeah. transferred to... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you talking to somebody in the throes of psychosis or depression or anxiety. You don't want to. You don't want to talk about that, and I guess... If you're, and we, we should take the luck out of mental health so yes. that if you're lucky enough to have a, a parent or a loved one or yeah. an acquaintance yeah. that 
can tell the story for you, then that's great. But not everybody has that fortune to be able to do that. So you're right, Alice, that's that's a really yeah. good point. That, that kind of balance it... of compassion versus the utility in being able to hear the story firsthand as a clinician. So as you say, it's not lost somewhere along the line, but at the same time, the compassion for, A, I'm just thinking as a parent, thinking we've told this so many times and we just want to mm. get on with somebody supporting you but also mm. from your point of view Alice then in terms of actually it's fatiguing and sometimes for some people yeah. it's quite risky um asking them to be relaying things there are certain ways you need to do that depending on how they present and what, what they've been through as well mm. it's some of this stuff in the book so one of the things I just want to come on to is that how is this book going to help what did you want to get in it what do you want to get people to take from it then so if I describe the book it the cover the cover starts discussion before you even pick it up yeah it is the picture of alice with big thick black marking pen drawn all over her face the reason we chose that cover was number one that alice was 100 percent behind it uh yeah. was that we wanted to start discussion yeah and even if you don't pick the book up, it starts discussion. You might not buy the book and that's okay, but maybe you'll go home and say, wow, I saw a, a It pops a, out, doesn't it? A yeah. picture of a, of a girl on a cover with that was called Psychosis, and you started a conversation and it's about mental health. So yeah. the reason purely behind Psychosis is starting conversation, breaking the silence, and definitely breaking the stigma down yeah, of mental so health. Mm. Mm. And are, are there some sections in, in the book, you know, because it's it's written in the form of like a, almost like a letter, isn't it? Dear Psychosis, it's talking to. I quite like because um, one of the things yeah. I do in my work sometimes is um, something called externalisation, where it's rather than saying your depression, it's the depression or the whatever it is and, you yeah. know, talking to it. And I'm just wondering where the idea of the dear psychosis came from. What was the thinking behind that for you? No, you know what? We we had so many titles that I, I would come and I'd go, how about this one? And one day I got out of bed and I went, I have it. It's dear psychosis. I just, and that was it. So there was no rhyme nor reason. And everybody went, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, we like it. It's. So and it and it says what it is. So there's no doubt when you get the book, it is certainly a story of strength yeah. and hope and love. Uh, and I think there, but there is no doubt what it's about. Yeah. And I do say that it is not a woo-woo book. There is there, I'm not telling anyone what to do. Alice and Jesse have written in the book. So you hear Alice's yeah. experience um, at home in Istanbul. Uh, with psychosis and you hear our son's journey with us of him looking at uh, me and looking at Alice and giving feedback and it's originally when I asked Alice I thought oh I'm going to be the best writer in this but Alice what Alice has written is amazing it's an amazing insight into wow. her delusions and what she was going through and they are confronting yeah. and fascinating and no holds yeah. barred account of what she went through. So, and that in itself, I don't think many people 
actually, you know, unless you're working in the kind of mental health, I'm not sure people really, as we said kind of at the beginning, really know what delusions can present, like what hallucinate, what even the difference between, you know, just understand the concepts and then the lived experience of it. I think actually for a lot of people that would be really useful as well. Mm. Well, it's really interesting and, um, yeah, it will blow some people's minds sort of how quickly my delusions yeah. evolve and yeah. how that yeah. turns into a hallucination. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the title, Dear Psychosis, looking back now, like compared to what mum was going for, I think it was quite a dear psychosis. I think the psychosis in Istanbul was very sheltered, very intense, the flavour yeah. was safe and spicy at the same time, um, very overwhelming, obviously, for a young person's yeah. mind. So it took me about a year to sort of feel a bit like myself again. Yeah. But compared to my second psychotic episode, which happened a few years later, um, uh, it was very dear to me, I guess. The, the memories weren't painful whereas the second psychosis was a lot more dangerous and intense and confronting so yeah. that's not something I would probably write a book about but yeah and just so helping I think, people understand that you know yeah. that it can present in so and many different an, ways it, yeah it can yeah it wasn't until the second psychosis that Alice so that was uh three years later two, two years that Alice was diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder so it wasn't until then so it was a a, di yeah. a computer diagnosis that wasn't um, straight away. Yeah. So that's according to the books. According to the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the diagnostic manual. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of obviously as well, one of the things I like to bring into my work is that some people like to use diagnostic terms, some people prefer not to, but that it's important that it's what sits well with the individual in terms of how they describe yeah exactly there was a period where i where i preferred manic um manic depression yeah because i thought bipolar sounds too colloquial um, yeah i still yeah. prefer manic depression but that's again it doesn't represent me now it doesn't yes represent it's like a hidden thing like okay now it's in uh, i don't know whether to use what would the term be for diabetes? Like it's stable or it's a safe blood sugar level. Yeah. I'm like regulated at the yeah. moment, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I doesn't feel like I have manic depression. I'm not suffering from it at least. But um, I feel like that encapsulates, encapsulates the highs and the lows a bit more yeah. than bipolar. Which What yes. is bipolar? What is the bi in bipolar? Both, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, both what? yeah <laughs> it's, it's important isn't it the meaning is really important so what are next steps looking like for both of you then so obviously we'll come on to where people can get hold of the book and where they can find you but what are you wanting to do so obviously you're you're looking at your career in psychology but what do both of you want to do in terms of kind of you know getting your message out there helping others well i i i'm doing a little bit of speaking uh at the libraries and um in in groups which is yeah. which is yeah. great uh i just to get the word out to break that silence yeah. and people need to know that 
mental health is in families just like mine and just like yours out there in that in that ether. Yeah. It, it doesn't care what side of the road that you live on or what school you went yeah. to. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. That's and really good point. that's okay. It's all okay. So I, I do hope to break that silence and stigma. And I've been thinking more of uh, going down the mental health nursing track. Uh, just right. have to, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to work at um, where Alice was hospitalised. I'd love to work there. That was that was a wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, but I know that you can't always pick and choose where you work. So uh, at at this stage, just but we can have hope. Yes, yes, of course we can. Yeah, of course we can. Yeah, I just love breaking the silence, and I think um, getting anywhere to speak is a positive. Absolutely. As I said, it, sometimes it just takes that one person. We w- might not know how much you can impact someone's life. Mm, mm. Um, and I just think that's remarkable. So where can people find you? Where do you hang out online? So your book is out. Um, is that available in all kind of bookshops? Is it on Amazon globally? So it's definitely on Amazon, Booktopia, Goodreads, uh, anywhere on the internet where you buy your books. Because we're self-published, it's on my website. Okay, um, brilliant. You can buy the website. But if you're in England or UK, you probably would like to um, go on Amazon and, and buy. It's digital, it's on ebook, and it's in hardcover book. Oh, uh, fantastic. The, um, the sad thing with self published people is that bookstops, bookshops, rarely take you because you are self-published so our local bookshop here in Sydney where we where we live uh has sold we've sold 65 books uh alone just in this one bookshop and we've sold uh probably 20 more in another bookshop that I've, I've I'm in so what does that tell me it, may, it tells me that mental health matters like and I just, I'm sad that the book isn't in bookshops because I know that more people would read it and more oh, people absolutely. would feel less alone. And that's the thing as a parent. Yeah. I felt so alone. I had nobody to talk to. In fact, we remained silent yeah. for about two or three years after Alice was diagnosed with psychosis. So, so we need I, to I tap into that as well, don't we? Yeah. That, you know, people listening yeah. up and go and click and I, read, or if they know someone else is whose family's been through something that they can read as well. That mm. power of narrative, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you're um you're Sarah Martin Author.com, aren't you? Um That's and you're it. on Instagram, aren't you, as well? Um Sarah yes. Martin author i'll put all of this in the show notes as well yeah lovely thank you and i look forward please um if anyone contacts or or joins me on instagram make sure you tell me that you've seen tara's podcast and that you that you you loved it or or whatever we'd love to hear from you drop some stuff in the comments absolutely we Um, say we love mental more mental health warriors the better absolutely absolutely and what I love is I get to connect with these just incredible people incredible journeys just the being able to share them and taking the time to do that I'm really appreciative of so we love connecting with you it's I've been really excited as well so we have to thank we'll do another plug for Mark we'll say thanks (laughs) to Mark for putting us out there (laughs) Um, and life's about connections isn't it so if we have a little ripple effect but it's also meeting people so we've had so many nuggets about dealing with adversity but 
again, showing my age now, my signature move at the end. If you were to both give me an adversity takeaway, what would that be? If there's one extra piece that you want to leave us with? Have you got any ideas, Alice? Oh, I'm thinking about the rainbow fish. Like, there's this book, I don't know. It's, have you heard of it? No, I haven't, no. The oh, rainbow okay. fish. Yeah, so there's this fish and it has lots of little colours shimmering all over it and other fish get jealous and they ask if they can have one, just one piece of colour. And then in the end, everyone has colour and the rainbow fish just has one colour. I think it's okay to share, but make sure that you don't lose all your colour along the way. And yeah. if you do, then maybe someone else will give you a bit of their colour, you know, like it's about sharing. I love and that. Yes. I love that. I'm going to be hunting that, that book now. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, and mine is just know that you are not alone. There's... Yeah someone out there that you can speak to and if you can't speak to them write it on a post-it note or in a little little card to say that you're not okay and give yeah. it to someone there's always someone we hear you Alice and I hear you Tara hear you yeah do you know what you need to do put that on your Instagram you need to do a reel start that yeah. off as a little viral thing put yeah. it on a note you know yeah. I'm not okay or yeah just That's a question it. mark or something so I many really people like that idea so so write it write it down yeah sometimes mm. that's the first step isn't it writing it it mm. can be hard to say things but mm. you know in this modern world we can forget the power of the pen <laughs> i think yeah. well, <laughs> we can sometimes we can um sarah and alice it's been so lovely i know you've had a super long day and i really appreciate it. always say this to people when i have different i so appreciate the flexibility <laughs> when you're able to come on um because i know you instagram me at, i think it was like midnight our time so you know <laughs> long, long day for you um but i'm so so pleased i can't wait to get this episode out there and let's get people talking and if they're not talking let's get them writing is the first step that's what i'm going to leave that's it. So, thank you so much thanks uh, a lot thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity psychologist podcast it's so lovely to have you here i'm dr tara quintrillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk you'll see everything i'm up to free resources my media work and my new covid recovery clinic as well remember to please rate and review my podcast it really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us the adversity psychologist podcast helping you one step at a time